I'm Sarah Pappert, and this is When I Got Here, Untold Immigrant Stories, a podcast from Literacy Achieves. At Literacy Achieves, we provide English literacy programs for immigrant and refugee families in Dallas, Texas. Our students come to us from all over the world. We celebrate them and what they bring to our country. When I Got Here tells the stories of immigrant journeys to the United States, why they left their homelands, and the lives they are making here. I'm Byron Harris. To hear Femi Amanije tell it, some of the most pivotal events in his life happened at a Burger King in far north Dallas. He was born in Lagos, Nigeria, now a city of 15 million, the largest in Africa. But American culture, basketball, Sesame Street, the Marlboro Man, popular music, and the lifestyle portrayed on American television was everywhere, even in West Africa. The lure was irresistible. Burger King on Floyd Road in North Dallas was one of his first jobs after arriving in the United States. The lessons he learned there were not about fast food, but himself. They involved chicken nuggets, throwing away food, and the Bible. Femi Amanije. I worked at uh, Burger King. They will throw out food. After a while, we've had we've made the sandwiches, put them on the warmer. They would throw them out after a while, and I couldn't understand it. I'm like, I'm starving. Why do you, why are you wasting food? That became where I would now get the fresher items off the warmer and eat. Take it to the back. I knew it wasn't right. I wasn't the only one doing it. I knew it wasn't right. But that, that didn't matter. Here he was, 6,500 miles from home, wrestling with the ethics of eating surplus food that he really needed because he was hungry. He'd expect it to be playing college basketball here after being a star in his home country. He'd expect it to be staying with relatives. He'd expected a smooth transition after all he'd learned about America from Nigerian television. It had all happened rather fast. Back in Lagos, he'd graduated from university. He'd fulfilled his national service by playing basketball. Then, still in Lagos, he got a job in a bank. One of my clients was a very prominent attorney who happens to know the ambassador to the United States. I was very active playing basketball. I played nationally. I played for a club side. And so he gave me a letter to, to go visit the embassy. And I handed that over to the ambassador. We had a conversation, as we are here. It was supposed to be an interview, but it was more of a, just talking about Michael Jordan basketball, just state of things. And... He was able to issue me a visa three days later, and I wasn't prepared for it. Not knowing he wouldn't be eligible to play in NCAA college sports, he had to go to work. There was an unavoidable problem of where to live. He'd planned on staying with his two uncles who lived in Dallas, expanding on a Nigerian custom that you're always welcome in a relative's home. But it became clear Femi had to find another housing solution. The, the, the family dynamics were, <clears throat> were a little bit different from what I expected. I, I quickly learned that culturally things have to be set up ahead of time. And I, I could sense it because they had to bounce me around like a ping pong ball between both homes just to accommodate me. He met a group of young people one day while walking through a mall. 
They were members of a singles group at a local church. He was able, finally, to hang out with people his own age. His new friends were able to help him. They rented him a couch in their living room for $200 a month. They led him to the Bible, where he found the answer to his dilemma about taking Burger King's food. I remember being introduced to a scripture in James, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Cling to God and come close to you. I knew it wasn't right. I knew I wanted to be right. I was powerless. But when I read that I could actually resist the devil, how do you do that? How do you resist the devil? Resist temptation, say no. And I practiced that and I was able to not, when I'm tempted to take the chicken nuggets off the tray and go to the back and eat, that came in my mind, that rang clear. And I was able not to do it. Experiencing that power was just intoxicating that, oh man, I could say no to a lot of things. If I could start here, then I could do better. He was 25 in a new country, learning a different culture from his roommates. Those guys, they had a purpose. Their life was very interesting. They would go work regular jobs all day. They had church things after hours. Then they hung out, they played basketball. We had to watch, we went to watch a movie together as a group. Or So it was very cohesive, good people. I loved it. These guys will sit around and talk about their lives and they were very open about who they were. I grew up, you don't tell people about yourself. You only tell them what makes you look good. These guys are very vulnerable. They'll talk about their struggles mm -hmm. and the things that they were tempted with. That was very appealing. It's 100% American. It was freedom. Back in Nigeria, people like titles. How many titles you have? Your line of profession. Who your father is. Who he knows. In those circles, that's how, that's your worth. Here, you don't have to be. You can still be a very productive person without all those things. Nobody cares if you're an engineer. They just want to see who you are for most part, at least that was my impression at that time. And that was the freedom that I think those interactions created. But I think for the first time I, I saw that, it was good. I wanted that. I saw those guys had it and they were good people. Femi's plans for his own life were still coalescing. He'd entered university at age 14 in Nigeria. He played basketball for the Nigerian national team. At 6'5", with a lighthouse smile, he stood out in a room. Yet here he was working at the Burger King for four seventy-five an hour while he went to graduate school at the University of Texas at Dallas. The observations of a customer gave him a jolt. A gentleman saw me cooking <coughs> in the back and he had ordered a meal and he came to me and said, he said, dude, you don't fit where you are. You don't. I thought maybe he was talking physically. He looked at me and said, dude, something about you're not meant to be in the back there cooking, bur flipping burgers was how he turned it. And I think for the first time I saw myself and a flood of emotions came because I'm like, you know what? He's right. Maybe I could do more for myself than maybe I'm shortchanging myself here. I got too comfortable. I think by then I'd worked nine months at the Burger King and I'm like, I need to get out of here. And the whole idea of just earning something was, I was content with that at, at the same time, because I knew the bigger goal was getting, getting through school and all that. But after he said that, 
I remember just feeling very ashamed that I was working there. I was just trying to help make money. I was just trying to hustle. I felt like he called me out at that point in time that like, you did your short training yourself. You need to step up. It was a, it was more of a punch in the gut that, dude, wake up. What are you doing? And, and that was what it was. And I had no, I had no excuse. So that prompted my desire to look outside of that space. The man in the Burger King implied there was a ladder of success in front of Femi. It was up to him to define the rungs. Femi had already stepped up to the bottom rung by enrolling in graduate school in accounting. He continued his climb by leaving the Burger King for other work. So I worked for a lot of companies, and that's really how I navigated myself through all of this. When I finished, I finally got my degree. So I started and think about it, I said in 1995, I didn't get my master's degree until 2002 because there were lag times in between. I knew I wanted to be in business. I just wasn't sure what line of business I wanted to be in. Mm -hmm. I, I knew from the gut get-go that America is built on small businesses. I wanted to participate in that. I didn't see myself working for someone my whole life. I wanted to do something. So right from the get-go, I started when multi-level marketing was king. I, I did all of it. It was just something, it, was, it just didn't work out for me, the way people touted them to be mm -hmm. successful. I knew if I could provide a service and get paid, I did better. So that was what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. I saved up some money, maybe 2500 to be exact. When I was over talking to a friend of mine, he talked about, he's a commercial realtor, he talked about striping. As in painting stripes on parking lots. A well-striped parking lot he discovered could improve the value of a property. I found a niche within mm -hmm. that, that industry and I went for it. We had a conversation on Friday. I bought an equipment on Wednesday, the following Wednesday on, on Craigslist. I was there watching YouTube videos on how to do it. I drove around the city looking for who did it because I never knew somebody did that. And so all that came together, I, I, that kind of built my interest in, in what it was. But most importantly, I saw this, I saw a gap. I started attending a lot of networking events pertaining to that scope of work and just educated myself on it. He also happened to see a guy striping the lot next door to where he worked. He ran out, gave him his business card, and persuaded him to do the next job Femi landed while Femi himself observed. I got a, a one project, one led to the other, and I made sure that I, I, I had some business background as far as the concept, the things I learned. Also, just with common sense, listening to people. It never once told me, don't hang your hat too high where your hand cannot get to it. Meaning, don't overstretch yourself or don't overdo things. Make sure you take risk, but it's still manageable risk. For me, those concepts were foundational. And I just had to take the daily steps. He'd learned how to be a businessman in the United States. He had not learned a potentially more difficult thing, how to be a black man here. To help teach him, he was lucky to have his wife, Alenda, who grew up as a foster child in New Orleans. They married in 1995. She was her own person, but she also saw what was going on around her. The issue of race, injustice, 
I saw it through her lenses finally when after we got married and I would have things happen for example we lived in Carrollton I was going to church one one morning and pulled over by five squad cars and basically they said there was a robbery that morning and the description was a tall black man with a low haircut and I fit the description so I went through that whole process I went home shaking she said that wasn't right we put that in the back burner. A later incident with police could not be ignored. It was going out another Saturday morning. We're going to a garage sale. Got pulled over. The cop said it was 7 o'clock. It wasn't bright enough in the summer that I needed to turn my lights on. That was the reason they stopped because I didn't have my lights on. And then I was given a ticket even though I had insurance. But the reason was I didn't produce my papers quite fast enough, it was in the glove compartment. So I was fumbling to get it out. So when he went back to run my tags and came back with a ticket. And so I gave him my insurance card and then he also gave me the tickets. Have a good day, sir. I went home to my wife with the ticket. She was livid. She said, we're going right now, get in the car. We're going right now to the police station and we're gonna lodge a complaint. That was my very first kind of now beginning to get it. <laughs> so from our conversations, she helped me understand that this is what it is. And I have to see for what it is. She says, keep living. That's a phrase that she uses all the time. You will see, keep living. Because I think she has a very good grasp of what's, what goes on in this country more than I do. And my wife was my window to the real America. <laughs> Back in Nigeria, we have what we call jungle justice. If somebody accuses you of, of wrongdoing, if they can make enough noise about it, you either get killed or you're incarcerated. Someone can come in and burn you down. I witnessed that as a kid during a political riot in 83. They were burning people on the streets and I saw that with my own eyes. I believed the American system was fair. That was my original belief. I felt like when a cop did that or when justice was meted out to anyone, it was, it was righteous. It was meant to be. The summer of George Floyd raised his awareness. There's been a major shift in how I see it. Now I know that the, the system, there's a duplicate. Justice is not the same. Injustice and justice, I know that it's there. From a society point of view, am I okay with it? No. I want to see a change. I want to see equality in that. I want to see where you don't hear about people being incarcerated wrongly. So that's an aspect I do not like. It's a soft spot on that apple. It can be cut out and the rest of the apple is still edible. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I just refuse to throw this society out because it's done so much for me. I feel like I've benefited so much from here. His striping business, Solid Lines, continues to flourish. He can bid on large contracts if he wants to, but his measure of success isn't necessarily his business. It's his family and education for his three children. American dream. Everybody has one. I had one coming in here, the whole land of milk and honey. Economic success, just 
the things that I, I desired to do. I had a dream. For our family, there was also an American dream, getting a house, getting kids in good schools and all that. I said this maybe a couple of months ago, after my son got, or a month ago after my son got the admission into Johns Hopkins, and I told my wife, I said, you know what? My American dream has been realized. I can just stop here, and I'm good. <laughs> because I think if I were now to define my American dream, it would be to set up the next generation. And that's really all I was, without knowing it, that's what I was trying to do. When he left Nigeria, it was over his father's objections. His parents were concerned he would, like many Nigerians they knew of, give in to the temptations of America and turn to drug trafficking. It hasn't turned out that way. I've been exposed to a lot of things. I've, I've done a lot of things that I wanted to do. I've participated in public service. I served on the Economic Development Board in the colony for nine years. I've tasted that. I've tried to, tried to run for office as a city council to serve in that capacity. I've tried that, failed. So I feel like my life, you know, life has been eventful. My children have been set in boundaries that I could only dream about. And for me, that's the biggest accomplishment that, that I could have a son graduate from Yale who now, I don't have to worry about him. He's already secured a job at Google. He just bought his, himself a, a brand new Tesla. My daughter's on the same path and the profession that they're choosing all in medical field, both my youngest son and my daughter. I felt, you know what? I feel like it's mission accomplished at this point. His youngest son will enroll at Johns Hopkins. His daughter already attends Davidson in North Carolina. My American dream has shifted from just the physical things, house, car, all that stuff, to things that are more intangible. Seeing the success the kids are getting to, seeing my wife, She's accomplished her own dreams as well, going from her background, living in foster homes, to where she is today. Proud mother of three kids. We've had a, we've been married for 25 years. Uh, great marriage. I feel like God has blessed us. I tell her all the time, I feel like he, he picked you for me and he picked me for you. The God he met at the warming table at the Burger King on Floyd Road decades ago is an even bigger part of his and now his children's lives. They understand, they read the Bible, and they try to, for what, for their level, to incorporate those in their daily lives. I'm concerned because it takes a lot of faith to withstand all the cultural influences. But I know that the Bible says, instruct your child in the way that they should go, and in the end, they will not depart from it. You've been listening to When I Got Here, Untold Immigrant Stories, a production of Literacy Achieves, where we provide free English literacy programs for immigrant and refugee families in Dallas. If you have an immigrant story you'd like to contribute, visit our website, literacyachieves.org, to learn how you can join our efforts. <laughs>